the great mother whom we call Inanna gave a gift to woman that is not known among men this is the secret of blood the flow at the dark of the moon the healing blood of the moon's birth to men is flux and distemper bother and pain they imagine we suffer and consider themselves lucky 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 we do not disabuse them in the red tent the truth is not in the red tent where days pass like a gentle stream as the gift of inanna courses through us cleansing the body of last month's death preparing the body the new Months life. Women give thanks for repose and restoration. For the knowledge that life comes from comes between, between our legs. That life costs blood. Anita Diamond. Anita. Welcome to Prinny's Red Tent. My guest on the podcast today is Shiva Rose, the curator of holistic lifestyle blog The Local Rose, and alchemist and creator of the non-toxic skincare brand shiva rose beauty shiva began her blog as a way to connect to the earth and all its bountiful beauty she started her journey meditating through tea ceremonies kundalini yoga and solitary forest walks in a moment of stillness a message came to her it was a message to bring beauty and luminosity to women in a way that is both nourishing and nurturing author best-selling book whole beauty a practical inspiring and stunningly beautiful useful guide to following a whole beauty practice at home. Here you can find Rose's iconic rosehip facial serum as well as 40 other recipes for masks and exfoliants, hair care products, detoxes and even DIY deodorant and toothpaste. In the podcast today we discuss everything from how to quiet the monkey mind, nourish ourselves inside and out, ageless beauty, skin tips, tea ceremonies, and why we should prioritize mother. In a world where we are often bombarded with imagery of beauty ideals, the quest for eternal youth, Shiva Rose provides the antidote to that. Shiva Rose embodies Venusian principles more so than I have ever seen anybody. Venus, the planet of beauty, sensuality, pleasure, but also respect and reverence for the earth, nature, and all its creatures. She gives us high vibrational tools to connect back to to source back to center in easy practical ways i think our vibration was so high for a couple of
of minutes during the podcast, um, there is a little bit of interference and crackling, but I put that down to her high vibe Venus energy. Hope you enjoy. I had my my oldest at a very young age, and I almost feel like women should have their babies in their 50s. Because <laughs> I feel like by then, you know enough, you know, and you appreciate yeah. it enough. And I was like, why can't it be granola and hippie and yet elevated and cheap? So I think that was sort of my, my theme, was to bring holistic wellness Hi Shiva, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. No worries. So welcome to Prinny's Red Tent. I always start off with just my Prinny's questions. They're kind of like short little questions. So how would you describe your life purpose? Mm. Oh, that's a good one to start with. I, I, I say they're short, but you know, that's quite deep. <laughs> It sort of defines everything. I mean, you know, I think once you're mama, that always comes in the forefront. So definitely being a mama, uh, a mother. And um, and then second, I would say a custodian of the earth, trying to leave the earth somehow better than it was yeah. when I got here. Uh, I would love to think of myself as that. And an alchemist, I create beauty uh, through my beauty product and uh, through my blog, which I haven't been doing lately, but it's the local rose and my beauty line is Shiva Rose. So I think those are probably the ways that I try to leave yeah. my print, to leave my evidence that I've been here. Beautiful. And so who or what is your biggest inspiration? Well, again, I would say nature never fails to inspire me or astound me. So that would come first. I would say nature in every way, in the way we are part of nature, the way our bodies are so perfectly made and watching spring sort of erupt right now through the ground where I'm at. It's just always fascinating to me that it can just happen, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the metic um, saying as above, so below. And I, I never felt that so much than when I was pregnant. You know, mm -hmm. it was just like, wow, we are nature and we are, you know, as women yeah. building this whole human and then you see it all around you it's just so magical it's amazing it is and I feel like the older I get the more wonder I have I don't know if you know maybe when I was very young I had wonder and then somehow I sort of lost it and took everything for granted and now that I've have some wisdom, I think I'm coming back to that place of wonder. Like I look at the stars at night where we live, the stars are so bright and I'm just like, how does this exist? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, epic, isn't it? I, I totally feel, I feel like I'm going through that sort of notion because my daughter, she's only two, she's super young. Mm -hmm. And so I'm discovering everything for the first time. And you know, even like movements, you know, when she first started walking, it's everything that we take for granted. And it's yeah. like, wow, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. It's so good for <laughs> a child to awaken that in us. I had my my oldest at a very young age, and I almost feel like women should have their babies in their 50s. Because <laughs> I feel like by then, you know enough, you know, and you appreciate yeah. it enough. <laughs> Amazing. What is your life mantra? Mm, well, there's a few. I would say the one that I've always tried to live by is, is uh, act out of love, not fear. 
And then lately I've been saying um, that the body repairs, the body regenerates. That's a mantra I've just been saying to myself over and over again. And I am, you know, is a very powerful one. So that can change daily. Like I am bountiful. I am beautiful. I am abundant. I am connected. I am is just such a powerful word. It's very Aries energy at the moment. That's great. What are you reading at the moment? Ah, you know, it's so funny because I've stopped reading as much as I used to. I used to be such a bookworm and I'm afraid the Mm. phone and so, you know, work and things have come into place. So I just ordered a really, not the deepest book. It's called The Guest List, I guess. It takes place in Ireland. I don't know. I heard somebody say that it's so good that it's sort of like a a murder mystery, you know, just like a book. (laughs) Okay, that's cool. I like that. And then on the, like, when it's more into the, deeper stuff. I always have books on beekeeping because I uh, have bees. So I'm always reading about beekeeping and gardening. And and always by my bed, I have women who run with wolves and, you know, sort of like the Bibles that I have yeah. near me. Oh, yeah. Time. Such a powerful book that I love that book. Yes. If you could invite three people dead or alive to dinner, who would they be? That's an interesting one. Um, I would say my great grandmother, Edith, uh, who I didn't get to know too much, but the more I hear stories about her, the more I'm fascinated. She was actually English uh, or wow. and then came to Montana and became like a showgirl in Montana and then ended up leaving that life and making her way to California where she met my great grandfather. So so I feel like Edith would have so many great stories. To tell. Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> wow. Definitely Edith. Um, let me see who, well, Bob Marley always, because yes. I've always loved Bob Marley and all his, what he stands for. And maybe Anais Nin, because she's always so, oh, I just feel like I, I can always learn from her writings and her mm. life and the way she's, you know, she coined the word being a feminine feminist, which is something I've adopted. And I really love that. I love the way how she was soft and feminine, yet so fierce. So powerful. I love it. Yes. Timeless. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And who is your spirit animal? <laughs> yeah, that changes. But, and, but but continuously, I mean, there's a few that have been in my arsenal that have been with me for, you know, maybe 15, 20 years that are always there. I would say uh, doves, turtle doves, oh, wow. and, um, wolves and deer wow those are amazing ones my one is magpie which oh, <laughs> i feel like everyone freaks out about but like... <laughs> we love magpie in our in our mix <laughs> final question one of your defining alchemical moments gosh there's so there's like maybe you know you look back on your life sometimes there's definitely been a few i would say the one Major one was when I was in my early 20s and I was in New Mexico and I had just experienced a Native American uh, sweat ritual. I thought I was going to die in there. It was like a three hour long one. <laughs> yeah. I was to come out. And when I came out, I was hallucinating and I saw rainbows and I saw all these beautiful things. And the woman, the medicine woman, had this like feast laid out for us and it was like my first experience with spirituality and sort of changing our perception, like seeing how we can see a different earth. You know, I was a different person when I came out. So I would, mm. that would be one. I think another one is also when I did Kundalini yoga on the top of New Mexico. New Mexico seems to 
bring that out in, in me um, when I did summer solstice once uh, after heartbreak. And I did, you know, you do eight hours of meditation for three days, three or four days, white tantric yoga on the top of this mountain. And that transformed me for sure, too. So I'd say those are the two pivotal moments. One of mine is I went to Glastonbury, not the festival, but the, um, yes. what, they have a white spring there. You know, it's all to do with the ley lines. Oh, I know. I was, you know so, I was supposed to go two summers ago and then the, co the COVID. But the, yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. That It's amazing. And it's so powerful. I've never had such a spiritual experience without kind of, you know, having any kind of like medicine or things like that. It was just, you know, I went in there and it was just so powerful. You could feel mm -hmm. the feminine energy and I, I just burst into tears. It was just so powerful. Mm -hmm. So I was actually gifted your book in 2018, Whole Beauty. This is how I kind of found out about you. And that was, it was just before I actually got pregnant. Oh, and yeah, and it was like, it was divine timing because obviously, you know, I'd been doing the magazine and it's all these sort of like, you know, healing and I'd come onto the path with lots of wise women who'd taught me a lot about healing, connecting with your womb, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I was gifted your book, it kind of threaded everything together because it was practical ways of actually connecting with your divine feminine. I, I started doing like ritual baths and making all your masks and... I started oh, doing Yoni This makes me so happy. Like, this is honestly perfect. And honestly, I'm not just saying this, but I do believe, because I started doing um, the detox tea as well every day. And I believe, like, everything came together and it helped me consciously conceive my daughter. Oh, I really do. Yeah. Yes, seriously. that makes me so happy. <laughs> honestly. And, like, I conceived her... Um, on the solstice, on the summer solstice, so her name, that's why she's called Solstice, oh, so it's beautiful. all like... Beautiful, that's such a beautiful <laughs> name too, I, I, I love that, oh, it makes me so happy because, you know, a book is almost like you put so much into it and then you let it out into the world and then you kind of let go, and so when I hear, you know, years later or something like that, um, it just warms my heart, I'm so glad, thank you. Oh, Eva sharing it. So, yeah, first question How did you um, birth the book? What was the origins of the holistic path onto non toxic beauty in particular? Yes, well, um, wait, what sign are you, by the way? So, I'm a sun sign Taurus. Taurus, oh, like my older brother. Yeah. I love Taurus. You're ruled by Venus. And... <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I'm an Aquarius, and Aquarians are usually in the future, but, uh, much to their detriment. So, I feel like I sort of was on this wellness journey way before it was cool or hip. And, um, and you know, and even the book, I, I had shopped the book around a few, maybe like seven years ago, six years ago. And it was a lot of no's, you know, and, and this is a big lesson because it's all about timing. And I think being an Aquarian, sometimes I'm so impatient. But now as I've grown older, I realize it's really... The universe has its own time and we have to trust that and we can't force things. Um, so basically I, I, you know, at that time I shot the book around and everyone said, no, 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 in New York. And I was like, okay, fine. And I came home and um, I, it really came from having my blog, which I had started um, almost a decade ago when I was getting divorced and I had health issues and I was raising my two daughters and I wanted to go back to nature and the earth and so I started the blog and that led to the beauty line and then that led to me wanting to write the book about the journey and then mm -hmm. you know maybe three or four years ago this amazing book agent contacted me who we became 
the best of friends and she was like, we need to make this book. And then I went to my first meeting in New York with Artisan, this publisher, and I fell in love with this woman um, that wanted to publish it. It just all flowed, you know, and it's such a yeah. big lesson in like when, it, when it's meant to be, it'll flow. It shouldn't be forced. Um, so that's really what happened. And then it just sort of like grew from there. The book just, the, the, the publishers just knew they got the right photographer. They got the right artwork. It was almost like I didn't have to do anything. I mean, I wrote it, of course, but all the other things, it flowed so easily. And people always were like, oh my gosh, wasn't it so hard? Oh, don't you hate writing a book? And I was like, not really. It was just kind of flowed. <laughs> <laughs> again because it was right I've, I've done other projects where it hasn't flowed and so I think it's really yeah. it it was just a, basically a culmination of the blog which I had done for 10 years and on the beauty line and wanting to share my experiences wanting to share how you can heal yourself and you know I've been through horrible bouts of physical pain and health pain and mental pain and you know, my goal is to like show people that we can heal ourselves. Our bodies can heal ourselves. And these are the things that have helped me. These are the modalities, you know, from spirituality, emotional, diet, um, beauty. Uh, it kind of touches on everything, right? Crystals, tea, yoni eggs. I mean, I kind of cover everything in this book. <laughs> it was, it's literally like a smorgasbord of like the like divine feminine and how to like heal. I just loved it it's just it's amazing so is there something in your lineage and I know you spoke about your uh, great-grandmother was it that that was English but uh, is that kind of inspired you as well with the beauty treatments and stuff oh definitely well my my uh on my father my father's Iranian so I grew up in Iran for half my life and then my mother is oh not my the first the first 10 years of my life but then my mother is American and so I think that mix of cultures, you know, beauty is such a big part of Persian culture. I mean, they just, just the idea of beauty is like, they, they just love everything beautiful. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like what, if you have a beautiful, you know, beautiful eyes or beautiful, I mean, it's just beauty is such held in such high esteem there, you know? My mom's a pretty cool lady and she was never really like too fancy or, anything like that and I don't think even I was but I never liked very perfumey things or very you know I never gravitated towards the um designer perfumes or makeups I always would gravitate towards uh, health food stores and use oils and use you know things that I found in there and this is again way before it was cool or hip <laughs> 10, almost like 10 years ago when I started the blog, I was like, why isn't this cool and hip? Let's make it so, you know, and this is pre-goop pre right. days. Um, and I was like, <laughs> why can't it be granola and hippie and yet elevated and chic? So I think that was sort of my, my theme was to bring holistic wellness beauty into uh, more of a chic lifestyle arena. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I try and do with the magazine, where it's you know, on the, on the surface, obviously, fashion can be quite sort of superficial, quite toxic, like in a lot of ways, not just like with the products. And, you know, I wanted to make a thing where it was like eco-conscious, holistic, but still like really cool, but just good for you inside and yeah. out, I think. So yes. now it's like trendy. Isn't it? <laughs> That's a good thing. It means people are yeah, yeah. I love it. So, yeah, so then... Um, so, can you sort of like sum up, because I always find this quite hard to explain to people, like why kind of, 
moving away from toxins in beauty products and just generally even like the household cleaners you know I use your recipe religiously because I have a dog as well and I it was only when I started having you know animals I thought my goodness like this this stuff is so toxic that I'm using just to like spray the floors yeah probably came from necessity too because I had autoimmune I was diagnosed with autoimmune so young after the birth of my first daughter when I was 25 26 and that sort of got me on the rabbit hole of healing and finding out, you know, it was like such a shocker for me. And this is in the 90s, <laughs> you know, I realized right. I was like, oh, my God, this affects your heart. And I remember telling people they'd roll their eyes or like, what? It's, you know, now, of course, we know, yes, these chemicals disrupt your hormones and, you know, create even worse situations like autoimmune and cancer. And so really it was mm -hmm. it, because of wanting to feel better that I went down this path. Um, and and that led me to experimenting and then realizing that it's actually better and works better in the long run right it's sort of like right <laughs> it's <actually> better for <laughs> us exactly it's a whole it's a whole system and then do you have a ayurvedic diet or could you speak on that a little bit as well and like organic food because i think there's a lot of misconceptions when i speak to people about it um so yeah. i would say you know the thing is too i don't think we should be too stuck on any diet or because mm. that, the stress of that can actually be worse for us, you know, in some way. But if you yeah. can do the majority of it organically, then that's, you know, I always think like 60, 40, if it's 60% organic. I mean, me personally, I probably do more like 80% just cause I'm so, you know, maybe even more. I mean, I, but I'm, but sometimes you have to eat out at a restaurant. I don't want to be that annoying customer to be like, what's organic, <laughs> you know? Uh, but definitely, I think food, uh, as long as it's organic and clean, then I'm not so stuck on uh, Ayurveda or paleo or, you know, I think you have to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. I've definitely done all those. I've definitely been vegetarian. I was vegetarian for more than 25 years. Um, and then finally, my body began to fall apart. So um, I started adding animal protein medicinally, and that really has helped me. Um, but I've done uh, Ayurvedic, of course. My ideal diet is probably uh, Ayurveda, organic Ayurvedic with a touch of uh, animal, medicinal, animal, you know, like bone broth. And like that. Mm, I think yeah, I love the, the yeah. bone broth. So and just quickly, just for, in case anybody doesn't know, so what actually is Ayurveda? Well, you eat sort of uh, depending on your dosha. So it's broken down into what your dosha is, vata, pitta, or um, kapha. And it's a whole, you know, science, which is, Ayurveda has been around over 5,000 years, kind of like Chinese medicine. So they do, they do know a lot about how to make your body get back into balance. But for me, like an Ayurvedic a uh, recipe would be just to make, you know, um, kachari or like, a, you know, lentil, mung beans and rice and vegetables and mm. things that are soothing. And that it's almost like you, when you look at it, like you become whatever you need in the food. Like if you're feeling, like if you look at a cracker, it's kind of dry and inert of ingredients. That's kind of like what you become, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> a bowl of mung beans that's been stewed and ghee and, you know, cumin and spices and vegetables. And it's like, you know, it's like moist and fulfilling and that nourishing. And you kind of like become the food that you eat. That's how I see it sometimes. For sure. Yeah, exactly. You are what you yeah. eat, isn't it? It's a cliche, but it is so true. And like, I think as well, like colors, 
you know just having quite I always try and like have like I sort of eat like with my chakras if I find they're a bit unbalanced and you know go to certain more grounding foods because I'm I'm quite like an air sort of exciting <laughs> person so I do it grounding Vata, we're about <laughs> you and I <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and yeah, so do you have any advice um, for anybody who is kind of, you know, when sort of finding out about all of this stuff and just like easy ways to kind of cultivate ritual to try and connect more with their body? Yeah, I would say, and believe me, I'm a culprit too. These phones really destroy oh. it. I mean, it's just like now my, my, my whole... Um, I've tried to put a, um, you know, been really strict. I don't want to pick up the phone at least for an hour, two hours when I wake up in the morning because I you know, started noticing that I would do that. And that's the worst thing you can do, you know, to yourself. So I would say start in the morning because you're still in that space, that liminal space where your mind is still an alpha and you're very open and susceptible. So I would just sit down, um, you know, before you do anything and connect to the earth, connect to the to your heart, connect to your soul, do some breaths, you know, close your eyes, put on a mantra, um, you know, and that can lead to other things like prayer or I practice tea ceremony. So I drink uh, tea, you know, for about an hour and I meditate and I, um, then I do a tiny bit of Kundalini, but I would say, try to find what's good for you. It doesn't have to be anything specific as long as you're feeling that connection to your heart and the earth and your soul. Well, I, I struggle with a lot is you know stepping out of the monkey mind and all of like the excess noise that what do you do for the tea ceremony it's a, it's a practice I, I studied for many years now I I was very lucky to be able to go to China too before all this happened and study with our teacher and uh, although he's in Taiwan but um he took uh, we went to mm. the tea farms in China the organic tea farms in the mountains and um, it's a it's called Chadao. It's the it's this beautiful practice of drinking tea, but the tea you drink is very pure. It's taken straight from the trees. It hasn't been um, you know uh, bastardized or or added anything to. And you just sit in silence and drink this tea. And if you'd like more information, there's livingtea.net, which has a lot of information, okay. and Global Tea Hut. Uh, dot com and then in my book I have a whole chapter on it um, and for me who has monkey mind uh, also <laughs> things like have sitting yeah. in tea ceremony is like a way I'm forced to meditate because I have to be present I have to be present to boil yeah. the water I have to be present when I drink it you know so that's a it's like a tool for me to get my mind still which kundalini yoga is also what I used to do a lot because it was like giving me tools to to, to calm that brain in a way so have you stopped doing it now? Yeah, as regularly. regularly. I always do a 11-minute little meditation in the morning and a little tuning in, but that but I used to do, you know, an hour. So um, I'll probably Yeah, back. I love Kundalini. I feel like it's, it, it, it's the one that really works for me because it's like active meditation. Similar things to what you're saying about the tea ceremony. It's just, it, I just, it just really tunes yeah, me in. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Walking meditations can be good too later, you know, if you want to take an afternoon, an hour and, or even 20 minutes and just walk on the earth barefoot, you know, without a phone. But sometimes walking meditations are yeah. good for us active brains also. I always love to do that. Um, and so connecting with the goddess, um, how 
I know for a lot of people, me included, like obviously we're sort of in this masculine paradigm and we're always feeling like we've got to produce, go, you know, any tips basically on how to sort of get more into Mm. the feminine? Well, the feminine is all about slowing down. It's all about receiving. Mm. And these are, again, things that have been very hard for me to as well. Um, So I would say it's like almost conscious being conscious of slowing down your movements. Why are we rushing so much? You know, why? The feminine is not does it, is not about rushing, you know, and receiving too. Um, that's the other thing about tea ceremony that I love is that when you're on the other side being served tea, all you have to do is receive. But when I, when mm-hmm. I serve tea to women for the first time, they almost always cry. Um, A, because they're not used to not doing anything <laughs> and receiving and be because they have a moment just to be you know just to be with themselves without uh no words no words are spoken and it's so freeing um but i would say those things i would say luxuriate and putting on your body oil you know like really take time to like make love to your body as you're as you're pouring this oil on there try to like wake up the 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 sleeping goddess in you And again, this is, I I should practice what I preach because (laughs) of all the things, but I do, I do make a mandatory bath time for myself every day because, you know, as a mama, as a business owner, as a partner, I am constantly giving. So for me, it's like, okay, it's my bath time. And everybody knows you leave me alone. I go to my bathtub, I, you know, put on, put in my salts, put on my mantra, put on my candle and and it's just my time to just really reconnect to my body and give thanks for my body and my soul and my spirit and kind of awaken that goddess, you know, within. Mm, yeah, totally. This is what it is. And I think just in general, we see, especially in terms of beauty, like self-care is something that as women, we feel like we have to go to someone else to. So, you know, someone else can do it for us, but actually we can do, we can do it yeah. for ourselves. In um, Ayurveda, they have something called Abhayanga, which I have a whole blog on it on the local rows. If you type, um, you know, Ayurveda self-care, but it's a, it's a self-massage. There's a whole practice on how you massage yourself. And it's so Beautiful. You know, you do wow. it in these long strokes and you warm up the oil and it's like, yes, you do. And I think that COVID has taught us that we need to rely on ourselves mostly, you know, for all these things. So, And how do you see, I think definitely in Western culture, we do have an obsession with youth. Monic, that you should bring that up because on, I have two Instagrams. I have Local Rose and then I have Shiva Rose Beauty. And today I just posted something about how I am going to take out this anti-aging adjective from my vocabulary because I've used it as well. I'm guilty of it just like everybody else. Yeah. Anti-aging cream, anti-aging this. And I'm like, wait, what what do we do? We're, you know, why is it suddenly such a bad word to age when it should be a privilege to age, right. you know? Um, I'd rather change it to um, ageless. I think being beautiful, you know, you can be beautiful. It's an ageless process. Um, That's something I'm coming to terms with too, because listen, I'm vain. I'm an ex-actress. I look at myself sometimes and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, what's happening here. And then I I start thinking about all the (laughs) remedies that you can do. And then, and then I go down that rabbit hole and then I go, well, wait a second, this is something that's inevitable. So rather than escaping it and, you know, going down that, that road, what if I embrace it? What if that becomes a part of my arsenal of beauty? I mean, you look at, 
you know, you look at some of these French actresses that are so charming and beautiful and sexy and, you know, and they're older and, and I'm thinking there's like, maybe we just need to change and are redefine what beauty is. Oh, for sure. I love, would be like your key go-to skincare Well, tips. I have learned from Ayurveda too, that we need fat, but healthy fat, um, you know, and, and I would definitely, so I would add ghee because ghee is great for your hair, your skin, your nervous system. It coats your neurons. So it calms you down. Um, so I would say adding oils. I would also say stop stripping your face. I mean, I think people are waking up to the fact that like, I remember 10 years ago when all my friends were getting microdermabrasion and I went to try it and I was like, Oh, I was so appalled. I was like, I was older. I actually look (laughs) older right now. (laughs) It takes away your padding. It takes away your like protection, your micro, you know, the microbiome of the skin. Um, So I would say stop stripping your skin. Start like, you know, layering, start, start. um, Exfoliation is one thing and a gentle one once a week. Yes, I totally believe in exfoliating, but I don't think stripping the face is, is a great idea. So I would say start replenishing rather than stripping away. Right. Yeah, that's that's such good mm-hmm. advice, actually. And then for any new mothers, I mean, I'm, I'm not new, new, but like fairly new. So how would you advise kind of because it is quite hard, obviously, with new babies um, to kind of practice well, self-care? So I know. Anyway. I know. It really is. It really is. Well, <laughs> I knew for one thing, I used to just do yoga with my little one there. You know, um, but as they get to around two where your daughter is, I know it's harder. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would say if you can incorporate them into it somehow, it might make it easier. And then, you know, it does, it takes a community to raise a child. I would say, you know, get your girlfriends that are close by and maybe make a deal. You know, you take, you take my, my Mm. little one for a couple hours, you know, and then I'll take yours for a couple hours. We, We really need that system so we can get like deep rest and, because our reservoir has to be full in order to give if you start giving from a death you know a deficit it's gonna it's gonna hurt everybody in the family Ayurveda, which i found fascinating uh fascinating, in most cultures actually when a woman has a baby the mama stays in bed for 40 days and with the baby and she's given meals she's given massages she's given taking care of and the reason they do that is really a selfish reason because they realize if the mother isn't, if the mother becomes depleted, then postpartum comes into play and the child becomes colic. You know, it's like a domino effect. Like yeah. invest in your mama, in your in your in your mother and the family, because that's gonna eventually pay off. You know, once she's like the forty days are over and she feels great and the baby's in great health, then she can start giving again. You know. Yeah, I remember reading that. It, it's like, yeah, it's the forty days they do it in um, Asian culture as well. It's, it, and it's so powerful. And it's, it's something that I sort of noticed after giving birth. It's such a thing, especially in Western culture, for everyone to basically be like, oh, when, you know, when are you going to lose the baby weight? When are you going to do this? When are you going back to work? <laughs> Literally, it's like what? <laughs> but yeah, I tried to really. I think that was that was the time when I've been like most in my feminine. Like just after the birth, I was just totally like. You know, I was doing all the, you know, the warm food, all of that. Like, it makes such yeah. a difference, honestly. Anything that you're working Yeah, uh, products coming in the line that'll be uh, built around that idea, more Ayurvedic formula. 
Um, and then I also have a moon course on my local rose Instagram, wonderful course that I created. Uh, and I put it out last year. Um, and it's all about the moon course and connecting to the moon cycle. And it's really an amazing course because you learn how to do rituals. You learn how to build altars. You learn about tonics. You learn how to get your moon cycle connected to the moon. You learn historical information. It's like really an incredible course that I, it should have been much more expensive, but because of COVID, I felt bad. I felt people were losing their financial means. So I, I knocked down the price so much, but that's um, something I would recommend too for women wanting to connect to the goddess and to the moon and to their own rhythm. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I was on the last podcast, I was talking all about the moon. So it's, it's that kind of, you know, the, the red, which is so fascinating. People who want to start, you know, um, venturing into this world. Uh, the book is a great source and the, and then the moon course. And then of course the local rose, I haven't been posting on there, but there's so much information. There's a decade of information. So, um, everything from EMFs to, you know, yoni eggs to organic foods to tonics. So definitely that's a good, good resource. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time oh, and knowledge you. and wisdom. I love, I love speaking oh. to you. I miss London so much. I wish you <laughs> so much abundance and beauty and joy and love with your little ones. Oh, thank you. You too. So as I approach my 30th birthday, I thought we should discuss the coming of age astrologically, the Saturn return. So Saturn as a planet is the seventh planet. It was the, for the ancients, it was the limit of the solar system. It was all they could see with the naked eye at that point. So it was known as the planet of boundaries. It was, it literally created the boundary between the limit of what we we consciously knew at that time. So it's a planet of limitations for that reason. Boundaries, time, it's also Saturn is Cronus and he was the one that ate his children because he was terrified of them usurping him. And it's for that reason also known to be associated with karma. It's basically you will reap what you sow. It is a planet that likes to build firm foundations, even if it takes a long time. It almost reminds me of the energy of a gym instructor that will literally make you redo something if you don't have the correct form. It's a very intense energy, but we do need it because obviously we need structure and limitations to know how to build things. So Saturn is associated in numerology with the number seven, and they say it takes seven years to master something. If you can make it through the seven year itch, you know, you become family. Lots of things to do with seven, basically, because every seven years, Saturn in the sky now, it will make an aspect, basically an angle, to where your natal Saturn is. So how is this important? Basically, the Saturn return is the notion of maturity. 
It's meant to denote the first one, supposed to represent us fully becoming an adult. This is why commonly during the Saturn return, major life moments happen of maturity. You know, people get pregnant, they buy a house for the first time, they get married, or on the other side, sometimes big breakups happen, even divorces, major life moments. To have a better idea of this, we have to know the house that Saturn falls in. So if you need any help with that, obviously, please get in touch. I'm offering delineations of your chart, so chart readings or one-on-one consultations. So basically, the Saturn return happens every 29 and a half years. This basically means when Saturn returns to the exact same point it was when you were born. So that takes 29 and a half years. An easy way to think about this is your birthday, which is happens much more quickly. So the sun returns every year to the exact point when you were born. So that's the solar return. So all of the planets actually have returns, but that's a discussion for another time. This obviously doesn't happen just once. Obviously a second Saturn return around 58, that sometimes can be known as the midlife crisis. So it's nothing to sort of make you scared about or paranoid. It's something to be aware of. And it's basically like a coming of age. You can kind of see themes that have been coming up. If you look back to the last seven years, something will have come to a culmination. It's really life-changing. As I think about time and age and maturity I think you know it's quite emotional to look back I mean for sure in the last year though I had a big life-changing moment so I don't want to tempt fate but I do kind of feel like what else is in store for my Saturn return some people say the Saturn return begins when Saturn enters the same zodiac sign you were born so in my case it was Aquarius and that was in December 2020 because of that they say it lasts for the whole two and a half years that Saturn transits that sign obviously it will go retrograde which means when it appears to go backwards so goes back over the degrees so there's 30 degrees in each zodiac sign others say your exact Saturn return is when it exactly is on the same degree that you were born in my case it was end of January 2021 it depends how you see it I think that for me what I've noticed obviously we've only just begun is a lot of those themes were coming to a head where it falls in my chart and I didn't actually notice anything particularly intense on the actual day it was exact so let's see I'll give you an update but don't forget to sign up to Prini's Red 10 where we discuss for the Vesta tier how to connect with your divine feminine this month is a little bit of a triggering one um, just about the issues that have come up about violence against women and tips on how to you know help if you're in a situation where you you are struggling and also how to tap into our goddess of the month for the Athena tier got tips on how to tap into your creative power and the monthly moons and rituals for this month and for our Ceres tier I can delineate what's coming up for you in the stars for this next month so that's super exciting thank you for listening lots of love